American Capitalism, A History, with Lewis Hyman and Edward Baptist. The colonists drank tea. The colonists wore London cloth. And yet, they were still colonists. They were still not fully part of Britain, especially after the Seven Years' War. During the Seven Years' War, Americans, that is the colonists, were constantly reminded that they were not, in fact, British, especially by British officers who scoffed at seeing all of these colonists dressing above their station, drinking tea, engaging in all kinds of luxuries that were not commonplace in Britain itself. The Americans thought of themselves as very British, not only in how they dressed and what they ate and drank, but also in terms of their political rights. They saw themselves as inheriting the legacy of the glorious revolution, that point in the late 17th century when the monarchy was restored, but in a more limited fashion, affirming a new set of rights for Englishmen. They thought of themselves as Englishmen with those rights. They thought of themselves as the true subjects of the crown. And yet when these British officers returned to home, they told everyone how luxurious it was in the colonies, how well-to-do everyone was. And thus, it became pretty obvious that if they needed to tax someone, probably the colonists could handle the taxes. After all, Britain was sinking in debt after all these wars with France. And so there were a series of acts that were passed to tax the colonists, taxing things like stamps, taxing things like sugar, taxing things like paint and tea and lead, all these different acts after the Seven Years' War. At first, these acts seemed as though they were just a weird, arbitrary thing. But as they continued, as they became more pervasive, especially with the Townshend Acts of 1767, it became obvious to the colonists that this was the new normal, that they would continue to be taxed and there began to be mutterings of resistance, especially from the merchant class who saw their sales fall when the prices went up. There began to be talk of non-importation, of fighting against the taxes on these imports. And so the first glimmers of a revolutionary solidarity was not military, but commercial. The first moments of saying, Perhaps Britain and the colonies should go their separate ways took place not in a battlefield, but in a store. Between 1768 and 1770, hundreds of merchants groups formed autonomously across the colonies in every city, in every town, seeking ways to enforce this new non-importation movement to stop the importing of goods from Britain, to stop paying all these taxes. This enforcement, of course, was not done by laws because they were colonists. This was a decision made outside of the state. And yet meetings in places like Boston in 1769 affirmed how important this was. Unanimously expressed their high satisfaction on being informed that the merchants had so strictly adhered to their late agreement relative to a non-importation 
of European merchandise. What does that mean? That's crazy English. All it means is that the Bostonians were happy that the merchants banded together to stop the importation of European, especially British, merchandise. How did they enforce this? They enforced it by social pressure. If you were a merchant who went against this, you would be banned from society. Boston was not a city of millions, but a town of thousands. To be truly struck out of society meant something. Consider William Jackson, who defied this non-importation movement. William Jackson, an importer at the Brazen Head, north side of the townhouse and opposite the town pump in Cornville, Boston. It is desired that the sons and daughters of liberty would not buy any one thing of him, for in doing so, they will bring disgrace upon themselves and their posterity forever and ever. Amen. The denouncement is also a religious pronouncement. That is how important this non-importation movement was to the people of Boston. And you can start to see the stirrings of what would be the Tea Party then. The non-importation movement was successful. The Townsend Acts were repealed in 1770, and things seemed to go back to normal. But what had been created was the realization that consumer power mattered. New York City had a plebiscite, that is, a vote on whether or not to repeal and stop this non-importation movement even after the acts had been repealed. Consider this. How radical is that? These are people with no official state power, and yet the entire city is taking a vote on whether or not to continue this. Now, they voted to allow the reimportation so that the merchants could reopen their stores. But you can see in this the beginning of a new political consciousness, a new political practice in the colonies. For more information, go to edX.org and look for American Capitalism, A History, with Lewis Hyman and Edward Baptist. Or go to facebook.com slash American Capitalism MOOC. This podcast has been brought to you by Cornell X from Cornell University. Thank you.